On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin where do we even begin? Tip your bartenders. Hi, everybody. It's Pub Crawlers. Genius. Say hello. Hello. Uh, thanks for listening again to another episode of As the Ale House Turns, um, where we talk about nothing. You know, that, that's... And years. let me finish. Nothing and everything. And lots of stuff in between. Is that fair? Is that fair? I think that's a really, really insipid description of what we do. Kind of an Alan Watts explanation. Yeah, uh, Ukraine Mike is reading Alan Watts. Can't we all just love each other? You know, that old beatnik bullshit. But... Oh, speaking of beatniks. Anyway, go on. I think that 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 jogs my memory about something I want to talk about tonight. Okay. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Yeah. Welcome, not just the genius, but rock and roll, Ruth and Jordan. Our knight in shining armor. Jordan was just in Denver over the weekend. Oh, you were? Oh, did you drink some beer? Excellent. Where'd you go? True. True. I like true. Zuni? I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Uh, my favorite brewery in Denver is Crooked Stave. Because I like, I like me some sours. Yeah. But you're not drinking right this second, are you? Oh, you are. Oh, no, I am, actually. So I just wrapped up six weeks of sobriety. Was it really six weeks? I think you may be stretching that. It was exactly six weeks. I did not drink for exactly six weeks. And I engaged in some uh, rigorous... Movement and very strict diet. And now you're exhausted. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. Ex- well, I no, I'm exhausted for other reasons. But um, I, I am very happy with the changes that were made. So happy that I'm gonna uh, take a couple of weeks to enjoy myself uh, and have, throw back a few drinks, and then after that. Uh, come April, come maybe maybe next week or come April one, I'm going to do another uh, six weeks of not drinking. Oh my God, what a schizophrenic! No, it's about my health. I needed to drop some serious lbs, and that's the goal. So I made some progress. Well, good luck. Thanks. I could have really use your support. Well, I'm, you've always had my support. No, not when you say I'm a schizophrenic or whatever about not drinking. Um, well, I mean, I'm going to drink, but then I'm not going to drink. But I'm going to. Well, because I'm after six weeks, I'm going to take a minute to just enjoy myself for a hot second, and then I'm going to reinvest in another six weeks of what I was doing before. However, I will say that. In mid-April, I have a trip to Washington D.C. and while I'm wa- in Washington D.C., which I'm doing three big events around beer and beer history at different breweries, I am going to partake in the beverage while I am there. So well, that's going to be my so. little that's going to be my little break. Um, and obviously, the, the 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 
diet I was on is very, very, very specific, so I can't just meal prep on a trip. So I gotta just deal with whatever I have in front of me. So I'll take a little break in mid-April and then re-engage. So for the most part, for another six weeks, I'm gonna do what I was doing again and get to my ultimate goal, the end. Well, that certainly sounds very exciting. I'm sure everybody is breathlessly awaiting to see what the, how this well, all turns out. I know. Well, they can't see. Oh, so they hear. That's a, I'll, mean, do, I'll, I'll, I'll give a vivid description. Oh, God. This is fat. This is... What are oh, you going to say? Uh, no, I was just looking at some new paintings. Um, okay. I just, I just hung the um, Tim Meadows up next to Hannibal. Right, so Tim Meadows came in here a couple weeks ago, and he was like, hey, what's going on? You're like, hey, what's going on? And you were here, and you're here now, and I'm going to do a painting. And he's like, okay, cool, and he took a picture, and now he's up, right? Yeah. Amazing how that works, the process. It is. (laughs) Where is he, actually? Let me look. Oh, I see him. He's right next to Hannibal. John Cusack and Hannibal. Yeah. Um, I had to to move Tamale Guy over to the other wall. (laughs) I always found, found it funny that Claudio, the tamale guy, was on the second city wall. Yeah. Well, Why the celebrity, the celebrity wall, because there's, a, you I mean, know. He is a celebrity. Let me I mean, you. Hannibal's not. Claudio a, has saved my ass on many occasions. Well, he's he's on, he's hanging. He's he's hanging. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I am excited to be drinking my usual seltzer water tonight, but I also have a little side of wine, which is... I'm really enjoying it now. All right, I'm getting bored with your um, drinking habits. I think I'm going to change the subject. Whatever. You want to go start talking about your sex life? Um, I always like to talk about my sex life. Um, but, um, Ruth? Because you brought up Alan Watts. I did? Yeah. I, 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 I was in Oh, situ- you did. Yeah. Ruth oh yeah. Did. Well, because Ukraine Mike is reading that. Oh I mean, right, I forgot about that. That, I, mean, that you, I already forgot about that whole part. Ukraine Mike, who voted for Paul Vallis in the, in the mayor. What? Yeah. Are Mr. you shitting the, me? The only re- Wait a minute. Are you fucking no, Willie, kidding me? Willie Willister was also who a Republican. Fuck? He's a one person out of like a bazillion who voted for Paul Vallis. Yeah, like I think less than one percent of the people <laughs> did. Mr. I, Mr. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop talking about the fact that that motherfucker kept texting me. For like two weeks, not Mike, Paul Vallis. What one of those uh, schools that everybody, uh, those anti-public schools, what do they call them? Charter. Charter schools? Yeah, yeah, Vallis is all for that shit. And so, yeah, so you can't believe someone so anyway, Paul So, so you can Mike's reading. And I remember, I, I've been in in um, the presence of Watts a few times when I was living in Berkeley. What a fraud. What a fake. What a... But speaking of um, beatniks, my old friend Joffrey died a couple of days. Joffrey Stewart. Who, who was Joffrey Stewart? Joffrey Stewart was a black man, and he was a self-described pacifist anarchist. Which What the fuck does that mean? Well, it means that most anarchists throw bombs and shit. The famous ones do. But uh, okay. Joffrey would instead. Joffrey would not. He wouldn't get an ID. He had no identification. 
he didn't he didn't do sounds you know, like street Jimmy. He didn't any way conform, and he wrote poetry. Um, but I'm I first met Joffrey when I was about sixteen. I went to a band the bomb rally at the University of Chicago, and um, either I don't know whether the university ordered the cops or the cops just decided to do it. But about halfway through the rally. The cops came in, ordered everybody to disperse. And everybody, well, what are you talking about? Anyway, but as soon as they moved in, everybody took off, everybody but Joffrey Stewart. He just collapsed into uh, this kind of uh, cross-legged, he went kind of limp, and they just... Wait, so is he like one of these people who would just like handcuff themselves to trees and shit no. and say, I'm not moving or I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to eat? For, well, he he would for he, weeks on end if he, you don't do this. Is well, that what he, that? Right? Well, he he did go into um, he would not, not eat sometimes when he was incarcerated. But he's way more complicated than you're you're making him. But he the cops just teed off on him. Now back in the fifties, um, there was there really was not much resistance in Chicago. I mean, it was the McCarthy era and red baiting and and uh, so he, as far as the cops went, Joffrey was pretty much the only game in town when he came. So, you know, he was in a target-rich environment. And so, about a year or two later, I'm still a teenager. I was at down at Bughouse Square. They used to have the um, sun on Sundays. They have the free yeah. speech. Uh, and he was an absolute fixture down there, and he would stand on top of a soapbox and read his poet, his anarchist poetry and stuff. And um, I didn't see what precipitated it, but um, cops beat the shit. I mean, they, I mean, clubs, just clubs kicking, beat the crap out of him again. And um, so I asked Slim Brundage, the guy that used to, to own the college of complexes, real, real fucking asshole. But Joffrey used to go down. To, it was kind of a free speech. The college complexes was, and um, uh, Slim said, "Oh, Joffrey had it coming." But Slim was just like, Slim did not like Joffrey because he said Joffrey didn't have a job. Well, Joffrey couldn't get a regular job because he had no ID or anything and refused to pay taxes. But um, he babysat. And he was living in Hyde Park in those days with his mother. And um, Dax, you, you've met Dax, haven't you? Light-skinned black guy that does work in here sometimes. No. A real nice guy. Fishes all the time. Dax thought uh, Jax's mom is white. And he thought Joffrey was his dad up until he was about four or five. Because Joffrey was always babysitting for him. Uh, so Joffrey, that was one job he, he did, was babysitting. And um, the third time I saw Joffrey really get his ass kicked, right down the street over on Sedgwick, there used to be this abandoned uh, synagogue. And Joffrey, and they had a, um, they made a, converted the top floor into a coffee shop. And they had poetry readings. And Joffrey was there. For no reason, we all walked out after the thing was over. And cops saw him, stopped, and just got out and started smacking him around. So I jumped in, and the cops just grabbed me by the throat and says, yeah, you want your ass kicked too, asshole? So, I mean, and that was only the times I saw him get his. But he was absolutely at every demonstration. 
Now, when he died the other day, he was 94, so he's Whoa. almost 20 years older than me. And he was kind of a legendary figure and, um, among the beatniks, especially because I was uh, in the old ale house when Allen Ginsberg and Gregory Corso stopped by and they were trying to find out how to get a hold of him and Eddie Balchowski, the one-armed artist. And uh, Ginsberg mentioned Shaffrey in his poem Howl. What was it called? Howl. It's, Howl. It's, it's his most famous poem, Howl. I remember as a kid, that that, that was really, of all, this, all the bullshit that came out of the Beat Generation, that's far and away. You didn't like the Beat Generation? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as their art, I mean, Burroughs, I would... Uh, Hang on a second. Let's talk about this. All right. Why? Well, let me, the most famous thing to ever come out of the, out of the Beat Generation was Jack Kerouac's On the Road, which is pure shit. Yeah, I don't like. Pure, I don't like Jack Kerouac. Pure, I know people uh, like put him on a fucking pedestal. Well, I mean, maybe more people all know that the piece of shit was an Eisenhower Republican. That's Mr. Beatnik, uh, Jack Kerouac. Um, uh, Burroughs was okay, but really, none of the poets were particularly great or anything like. Well, and they were so-so. Yeah, and there was no great artists or anything. You had the Beat Generation and the Angry Young Men. The Angry Young Men was so-called... Now, they, the British counterpart, people like John Osborne, were really good. They did some really great... His play, Look Back in Anger and stuff. But it was... It was an inter I mean, I was 18. In 58, I went out with my uncle to San Francisco. And um, I just graduated from high school. It was fascinating being in North Beach and... I had so I fake ID so I could get into bars. And I was listening to the guys read their poetry and heard Kerouac read shit uh, and was standing on a chair of his studios and stuff. And um, so it was quite, you know, I mean, it was very kind of glamorized. Everybody's wearing berets and shades and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very not you. I mean, I don't. I'm not surprised at the fact that you would not be into. I would be into it the, if the writing. I guess was the better. culture of it. Because you're like, I don't know, you're so not that, but you are that. No, I'm not. That's the crazy part. No, I'm a, I'm a unique, I'm a unique phenomenon. Well, you're. Listen, hear me out. You're a creative type. You have a lot of creative outlets. You're a good writer. You're a good artist. Uh, I'm sure you're good at other things too. Good storyteller. Yeah, like you know. Rack on tour. All right. Yes, all of the above. Good. Good in these different creative manners. Yet a lot of the uh, that gener well, that, that wonderful golf golf lessons. Well, that's a little bit of a difference. Oh, from, is somebody going to want somebody going to want golf lessons? Of course this I year? am. Of course well, then, I am. Then watch what you're as saying. As long as you go up to diversity, fuck yeah. Okay, but my point is, is that you are very much ingrained in your creative outlets. You're ingrained in a lot of the culture that existed back then, but when it comes to, I don't know, the, the periphery stuff, maybe like the music or the fashion. The or the drugs. Yeah, the drugs, the debauchery. That's so not you. And I've always found this, this side of you very fascinating in that 
you are very connected to that 1960s counterculture world, but you're also incredibly disconnected. Well, from it. when the hip, when I moved to California, the hippies, it was a big thing. When I got to Berkeley back in '60 or '76, no, it's '67 when I arrived. Now I loathed hippies. I mean, they they were. What did you not like about them? Well, they were filthy, ignorant, self-indulgent. Well, I, 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 used agree, to call, I agree with the filthy. They stink. No, they stink. And they they like physically they, stink. And but they what weren't do you, smart. What do you mean they were... Yeah, what do I mean, yeah, I thought that there was a columnist for the uh, San Francisco Chronicle named Herb Kane, And he used to describe the hippie girls as hippie, hippie-potamuses. I love that. <laughs> hippie-potamus. And, and they said it was because they, they always had the munchies. from. But most of the guys were real skinny. Most of the hippie guys, but what they were, they were useful because you could, they would show up at demonstrations. So they're just like dumb blondes or something. Well, they were even basically dumber than than, than, than your classic dumb blondes. No, they they just I never met a hippie that wasn't drippy. I always, that that kind of sums up my my I view still of don't hippies. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Well, you know think what's about above it. a hippie? A booby. I, I hope wow. everybody heard that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's a booby? But um, anyway, Joffrey, Joffrey transcended all that shit because he, he was not, I don't, I don't think he was a druggie at all, but he was totally, totally committed to politics. And um, now, being you know, a pacifist, anarchist, he, he was incapable of jo- pretty much joining together with anybody. Um he just was all by himself, but he wrote poetry. He just and and he would had access apparently to a mimeograph machine because all of his poetry was handwritten. And then he would show up with two. He always for years up until he got sick, uh, twenty years ago, fifteen. He, then he started carrying only one shopping, but he always always have two shopping bags filled with his leaflets and poetry and stuff like that. And he'd come in. I always give him a sounds feel. like a bum. Yeah, well, he didn't work. I mean, he, and he had carrying around he papers. Lived, he lived with his uh, mom, and, and uh, it almost he I was. Swear he was, to God, this you're just like you kind of are describing Street Jimmy. No, J- Jimmy has never, ever, been in demonstration, done anything kind for anyone. Jimmy is is he quite the opposite? Jimmy is quite the opposite of Joffrey. Okay, it is a stretch to say that you're describing Jimmy. But and I Jimmy would, begs would... money for drugs. Joffrey just survives. That's all. And so he can write his poetry. Jimmy just survives. Have you ever read any Jimmy poetry Jimmy's by Jimmy's a account? nice guy. Oh, come on, please. Even he, Jimmy think, wouldn't think, agree I with that. I think at the core of it, he's a good soul. Maybe way deep, he's deep He's just a lost down. soul. Well, no, he's he pretty much. Jimmy see him swaying in here to Al Green the way he does. Jimmy's as solid as he's as solid as a rock. He knows what he cares about in the world, and that's uh, smoking crack. Hey, we all have to have goals. And that's his goal: getting yeah, money right. each day for crack. No, Joffrey is compliant. Please, he was a very smart guy, and he was a very courageous. Guy. I mean, because Jesus Christ, he would take some really, really ugly. Uh, I mean, he told me, I mean, he, um, more than, at least dozens of times, my various girlfriends, he would knock at the door and say, hey, man, I got to lay low for a little while. And I remember one time when I was living over on um, Armitage with Indy, he uh, came, knocked, rang the bell and came up and said, 
Could I? I got to lay low because I burned a American flag while I was reading poetry at Purdue, and they tried. Their cops are all after me, and then, so then he was on the news. We're all before dinner. We watch the news, and there's Joffrey being. Uh, they're looking for him, and um, no, he was he, no the guy. He he was in. He, I mean, I don't know of anybody that ever thought he was a great poet, but he was certainly a committed poet. And I was, when I was 21, 22 years old, guys like Belchowski and, and, and um, Joffrey, I mean, I, they were a big deal to me. I mean, these guys, I mean, Belchowski lost his arm fighting in Spain in 1937, and Joffrey was known all over the fucking place uh, in, in, in the kind of the beatnik world. And in Chicago, in Chicago politics. Now, in the mid, mid, by the mid '60s, when there was a lot of anti-Vietnam War and stuff like that, and and also the uh, civil rights movement, the cops no longer really paid that much attention to Chop uh, because there was so much else going on. And uh, so, but I got to know him quite well. Now, there was no point in really arguing. I mean. To me, pacifism is, is a tactic. I mean, Martin Luther King, it worked for him, it worked for Gandhi, but it would never work for the Jews in Germany. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a tactic. Sometimes violence is a tactic. I mean, you use the tactic that's suitable for the situation. Now, about 20 years ago, Joffrey really went on a rant, an anti-Zionist rant, and everybody thought he was anti-Semitic, but really, I mean, his position was fairly simple. He was against all states. He was he would have been against the Palestinian state. He was against the American state, and uh, so he. he, he but it, he, he seemed to focus on the uh, uh, Zionists, which really made him more and more controversial. I don't know of any situation where they when I mean he. He was a fixture over at Sergio's on their poetry nights. Uh-huh. And, at uh, Weeds. At Weeds, yeah, his yeah. uncle's bar. And because um, at the funeral yesterday, we had the funeral uh, over at a place called Taylor Funeral Homes on 79th Street. Um, I, there was, it, it, I was the first white person to walk in. I mean, the family was, he had a fairly large family. Did you family. get there two hours early? No, no, I got there exactly on time. Exactly on time. But um, I, I was coming from Hyde Park, so I, I mean, I think a lot of people came out on the expressway. Hop, skip, and the jump. Yeah. And um, so then but, but, uh, quite a few people showed up, uh, white people that poets from, uh, the weeds, when they used to have the poetry reads, they all knew Joffrey. But if I told Sergio, I said, if um, this would have, if you would have had the, uh, if Joffrey would have died 20 years ago, the place they couldn't have handled the crowd that would have showed up. But now everybody's dead. I mean, Joffrey just simply outlived everyone. I think I was probably the oldest person that knew him there. So that generation is pretty much gone, and that's with him. I mean, that's. Uh, but I, I was there's. I, I when I, I did talk, uh, Sergio made me up and talk, but I, I told a bunch of there's I had a bunch of stories about him. But one of the funniest ones I can remember really summed up Joffrey. He was really self-effacing, and 
in, in passive um, until he got in front of a microphone with reading his poems. And then he was, he was transformed. In fact, when he used to come in, when we used to have our uh, talent shows, he always came in for our talent shows. Really? I'd always give him a beer, and a cup of beer or two, but he would get up. But now he'd go on to these, he'd read his anti-Zionist poems. Uh-huh. And so I'd always make Fox put a Jewish comic on right God. after him. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. But anyway... Back in about 65, when SDS had just taken off and there was a lot of this anti-Vietnam war, we had an SDS chapter over on Larrabee Street. Now, as far as I, can, I know, SDS? Students for a Democratic Society, dum-dum. It was a real famous fame. The weathermen evolved out of that. You know, if you would understand how brilliant I am, you would understand that I ask you questions for the general public. Well, then why didn't you say SDS? <laughs> why didn't you say Students for a Democratic Society? Seth, can you can you please explain to us what that means? And I just did. And also, okay, so what you referred to the weathermen, which many people may not know what that is, yeah, and who was involved in that? Well, that I, that's part of the conversation. Okay. So we had this headquarters. It was a coffee shop. On, now all the other ones with Northwestern, Roosevelt... Uh, I think maybe DePaul and I do even have one. I don't know. University of Chicago had a chapter. So, but it was all over the country. Uh, they had these SDS chapters. Well, the national headquarters was local. They, they, these white, these white, white kid parlor pinky types moved um, the national headquarters over to 63rd Stony, which was really a rough, tough black neighborhood. And they, and they were, they were really, they were really <laughs> terrified over there. Isn't that where the South Shore Cultural Center is? No. No, it's for the South. God. Where is, God. Where's the South? 70 something? It's right on the lake. It's about. I read oh, bike down there, but it's I It's on 71st. It's on 71st and the lake. Yeah. This is 67th and Stony. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. I don't know. I don't go past South Roosevelt Road. No, I'm, I, I get had to go see you. I get that feeling. Waste my time. I get that feeling. Uh-huh. So, um,. There was an emergency meeting called. I, I don't. It was something to do with the Vietnam War. I forget exactly why. Uh, oh, years later, about our um, S, our SDS chapter, I could never figure out. We had always had money to pay the rent. Nobody bought. Nobody paid for anything in the goddamn place. We bought these beautiful uniforms for a Puerto Rican uh, baseball team that we sponsored. And what? We, really? And we were doing all kinds of shit like that weird. with no discernible money. So years later, I was in Berkeley. What was the point of sponsoring a Puerto Rican baseball team? Because we were inner city. We were, we were you know, doing, sh- doing, doing shit for the uh, community. And uh, we had some really the, tough... The SDS is doing this? Well, we thought it was SDS. But it turned out years later, I was in Berkeley. I bumped into somebody that was a big shot with our old chapter. I says, I could never figure out how the fuck we got the money for. I says, are you crazy? We were a progressive labor front group. So we guess we were getting money from Red China. <laughs> Wait, what? Progressive labor was the most, it was a, a Maoist communist organization. I, you know what? I'm convinced that a lot of these fucking like groups, activist groups, these political groups, all who's like, you know, rooted in the University of Chicago and all these other no, goddamn no, forget sh- the University of Chicago. All the other these, you know, university students. You know who's funding that? Is somebody's rich parents. Hmm. Not progressive labor. 
And NISDS. Okay, so wait, can we please make the connection now? Can you tell, talk about the connection between the SDS and the Weatherman and who the Weatherman well, is? Well, all right. Thing. All right. I can tie, tie that in with the story I, think that's I was going to tell. I was going to tie that with the story. Well, the, the national headquarters have been taken. I mean, Bill Ayers, whose father was a gazillionaire, he, he was head of. Uh, Ma See what I'm Be- saying? Ma Bell or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but but I'm talking about him. Where do you think he Bill's had nothing, getting some dough? He he had nothing to do with. Well, anyway, they no, they, but they what muscled. I'm saying is if, if all right, you're he, saying that you're you're saying. I mean, why don't you listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about? Okay. <laughs> if, when when someone presents themselves, I will. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, and, he, and then he married Bernadine Dorn, and they, but at the time of this meeting, they were the right wing of the whole organization. There's a really good documentary called The Weatherman. Yeah, well, good. Tell me about it sometime, not tonight. <laughs> so an asshole. So, so uh, no, they were they were total assholes. They were total complete <laughs> You're assholes. You're an asshole. No, I'm not an asshole. Yeah, you are, but okay. No, no I'm not. But I'm looking at an asshole right now. <laughs> That's the theme of the of the conversation. A little, Assholes a little, abundant. Sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. A little jumping being an asshole. All right, moving on. All right, so at this party, the the I I get up there. We have this long line of uh, speaker, and this goes up a stairway. The place was fucking packed. There was no place. Everybody's crammed in, and the national people are on the stairway, and. So people like Ayers and Dorn, I forget who some of the other leaders were at the time, but they're telling us, no, we, we, we don't go too far with this because, you know, because I, I move that we should support the NLF against the United States. We should just take a flat-out position. Fuck, the, fuck being against the war. We should be on the other side. And so as soon as I go, and they're, oh, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible... And so I live with a big cheer from the crowd, and then the next guy would come up and tell I me mean, even more. We had about the next 20 speakers came up with one extremist, radical um, idea after another. And then finally, after about 45 minutes or an hour, Joffrey, who had been patiently waiting in line, he gets up. And then as soon as he gets in front of him, he says, and I move that we all renounce our citizenship and he raises his arm and there's just total silence not a fucking word everybody just looks at each other oh and then that was the end of the meeting because <laughs> yeah, we nobody, nobody was going <laughs> to renounce their fucking citizenship what the fuck was everybody else going to do but that was and then maybe a year later two years later the fucking assholes became the weathermen and blow, they were blowing okay so what go, what well, Can you please I, I tell everybody what the Weathermen were. The yeah, well, they, that was that was which the, was Ayers and Dorn. These were the little rich, rich, rich uh, kid. You know, we'll show our parents bullshit. I mean, when they threw that days days of rage now, back in '68. Um, which, by the way, those two were still on like the speaking circuit as of several years ago. Well, no, they got to. Well, they had. They, for some reason, I mean, they were never had to do any time when they finally got caught because they were they were in hiding for quite a while, and I mean that townhouse got blown up in in, in uh, right out by by Washington Square in New York and next to Dustin Hoffman's town. I mean, they were they were were blowing shit up. Um, they would go over and blow the policeman statue up over at the Haymarket. Um, Which is gone, by the way. Yeah, well, they moved it to the police academy after the second or third time they blew it up. 
So they were doing shit like that, but they really didn't do it. I mean, their politics were stupid, and, and um, they were stupid, and um, yeah, and they're all living comfortable. I think Bernadine, she's at Northwestern, and Ayers. Yeah, they're, they're UIC and got all these. Ayers has got all these fucking tattoos, like he's some kind of <laughs> tough guy. Oh, this is God like, this is my point, is that after watching, like, that documentary and actually reading about them, I'm like, these are all a bunch of little rich kids who's, yeah, like... Yeah, but not the, the SDS itself. These people evolved. That was the end of SDS. When they broke off with the Weathermen, SDS was over. That was the end of it. Okay, wait a minute. Say that again? When when SDS was kind of uh, coming to a conclusion at that point, and more and more people broke off from the national people, and then that's when they found founded the Weathermen and started doing all the extreme stuff. So it was already coming to an end. Yes, they and so, to go they, a so they so they simply you know at that point all of a sudden oh look we're, now we're going to really be radical. But the days of rage. I remember I was I was back in California then. What are the days of rage? That's when they ran through the streets of Chicago, breaking all the windows of cars and shit, which were probably all working class people. Yeah, what the so fuck you had these? What, 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 why? So, so you had these rich because they were protesting. You know, we're gonna, well, they actually thought. Now get this. I talked to a few of them. They actually thought that the working class would embrace their bullshit. I mean, that's how deluded they were. Absolutely. They certainly did not When did this happen? What year is this? 68, I think, when they... Oh, when all the 68 shows happening? Yeah, but that was after the convention. And um, so so then they all were, they were, you know, they all went in hiding at that point. That's when they went underground. And, um, I mean, I got pulled in by the FBI because they thought I knew... It's called Weather Underground, the documentary. Because they went, because yeah. they went underground at that point. They were, Something underground, yeah. Um, all these, you know, I've, I've, I've read about these folks in the time period. I've well, watched the well, documentaries. The SD, SDS was different and than that. And my takeaway was like, what is, I mean, I understand like making a change, but holy shit, what a wrong way to go about it. Well, I mean, if there was any sympathy for them among the wor- working there class. There's like a lot of anger and rage and a lot of it no, I feel it was it rooted and not in the right places. It was self-indulgent yeah. parlor pinky bullshit. That's what it was. Just, I mean not to use some I mean, Josh not, not, to, not to refer to it as like you know modern era buzzwords but I just feel like a lot of this shit was rooted in like this like white privilege crap. Well, see, you weren't around at the time, and because what what the cops? I mean, if you'd been here in '68 when the cops just fucking went absolute batshit crazy, and were just beating the living shit out of anything that moved, I remember telling people that that Wednesday night of the Democratic convention when they, oh my God, I mean, it was a bloodbath. I remember I, I ended up like. You, were you really afraid to go out and because the cops would look at you and just be like, "Hey, I can no, just no, get I was, the shit out I was there. I know. I was there. I'm asking you. Well, they, they, if they, well, I watched. I mean, you had to really know what you were doing to avoid getting your ass kicked. Like they just really did not give a fuck. Well, I, 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 I use this example. I mean, Rosemary. There used to be a movie theater right at Randolph, and it was a small movie theater at Randolph and almost to Michigan. When on that Wednesday night, we kept I kept getting you know having we were running and they break us up and break us up break us up. 
So a small group, and I was at this point a part of a small group. We got to right by um, Randolph. People were coming out of Rosemary's Baby eating um, popcorn. The cops stopped and beat the shit out of them. What was the point? They just they were unleashed. Daily told them, "Go ahead, do whatever the fuck you want." And they yeah, did. I mean, they were just beating the shit out of people. I mean, I I was outside. Law and order, baby. Law and order. Yeah, no, there was not any order. Very little order. But uh, Old Town was really quite interesting. And, uh, yeah, they were all stretch. over the fucking... Yeah, well, know, they closed all the bars. This bar was closed. Hippies the only and bar, knuckleheads and delinquents were The only out. bar that was open was... Um, the Ale House closed? The Bulls. Oh, they closed us, yeah. They closed us Monday. Out of fear Monday of safety? Because there were riots in the park right there. Right yeah, Lincoln just Park, sure. And look. I mean, there was 40,000, 50,000 people out there. But I wish I tell everybody there was an iconic photograph that I was with Lazar and he had his fucking camera. He'd walk in here, catch a beer. I think that was on the Monday night. Sunday night was a big riot. But Monday, so anyway, everybody's okay, it's gonna happen. We walk in here, it was like a hall of fame of of writers and poets. Right right on the corner stool was Norman Mailer and he was uh, uh, he was oh no he was no, he was the second. John Genet, who's a French writer, was right on the first door. Then Mailer, I think then Ginsburg, Paul Krasner, the guy that uh, was the editor of The Realist, which was a really great kind of underground, uh, humorous uh, newspaper. And um, Corso, oh, and Jose Torres, the former uh, heavyweight boxing champion. He's a good friend of Mailer's. Oh, it was great. And... I was amazed, and uh, about 20 minutes after Lazar and I got there, Lazar never took that picture, man, would that be a great picture to have in there? But um, some girl, some chunky girl runs in with bruises all over and said that the cops had just announced that uh, they're going to clear the park in one hour. So everybody takes off back from the park. But they didn't give you a way to escape, or I mean, you just had to run the gauntlet with them. It was just, uh, it was absolutely the Wild West. Yeah. All right, so uh, Joffrey. Well, Joffrey was always in the middle of it, and Joffrey always got smacked around. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of lost touch. I mean, we, I... I didn't even bother to argue with him towards the end. I mean, with, with his politics were so, so, so. I mean, no voting, um, no organization, just uh, everybody go limp and, you know. And um, so I, 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 but I liked him. He was just a very likable guy. I mean, he was really, a, he was basically a very sweet guy. So I just didn't argue with him anymore. And if I saw him, he was passed out as a poet. Well, well, I mean, when, when Faggy passed, I went to that um, anti-NATO demonstration uh, five, ten years ago. I forgot how long ago. Um, <laughs> we bumped into Joffrey, and he's passing out. So I, I, I introduced him to Faggy Pants. It was absolutely. Thank you, Vince. Was absolutely intrigued with him. He's reading all this, all the Joffrey stuff, and he's looking at faggy pants or fancy pants. Sorry, Jesus, see what you do to me. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the funeral overall was. Well, the funeral. Yeah, I mean, it was very. I mean, you've you've 
if you need a reminder of how segregated Chicago is, just drive down seventy, pull off on Stony on on seventy first, and just drive down to Martin Luther King Drive, and just I mean, and and it's it's the it's the same neighborhoods as on the north side, except it's not one white person. I mean, mm-hmm. they keep the neighborhoods up quite nice. I mean, you know, Chicago has extremely strong, vibrant black middle class. Well, I don't think it's it's funny. I deal with a lot of tourists. But I feel like a lot of local people forget the fact that the north side is only like a half of what the actual south side is. The south side is so large geographically. Well, yeah, and people. And the west side. How many people? When's the last time you've been out to the east side over where the steel mills and all yeah, that were? No. no, people don't even know where Hagwish and all those places. Don't be there's, there's a there's a regular here who lives right around there, right? Well, no, Bukovic lives on Calumet Park, right, right across the park. There's mm-hmm. two blocks where it's right on the park. It's a fantastic park, right by the lake. I mean, if, if somebody wanted to buy some real estate, the last place you could get a bargain right now is uh, is uh, South Chicago. That's where my mother grew. My mother grew up, and all my aunts and uncles and everybody. But. Um, yeah, and it's mostly Hispanic. I mean, there's still a lot of black people out there, but um, it's more and more Hispanic. But there's some beautiful homes and right on the park and the lake and stuff like that. But you, you're always hovering around. You know, the meal, steel mills are gradually being torn down. Um, well, uh, I hope that this funeral for Joffrey isn't an indicator or a repeat of what January was. Well, no, John. Joppy's ninety-four, and he was really sick. Uh, Sergio threw threw a, a benefit for him last summer. That's the last time I saw Joffrey, and um, he looked horrible. So, well, I mean, but all the fucking people yeah, who died 90, in January were sick. Well, now we have people dying in uh, March. <laughs> That's my point. Is I don't. Yeah. I hope we don't. Well, get people a repeat. die, especially ninety-four-year-old people. Yeah, they, they tend yeah, to die. That's about right. That's about right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry your friend died, but well, I'm glad I mean, you have stories. I mean, he was in bad health. I, I, I don't think it's... What did he die of? Well, he had colon cancer. There was a really good... If you Google him, Joffrey Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's a wonderful article about him by Ben... I don't know how you pronounce his name. Jarofsky or, in, in The Reader. He's a political writer for The Reader. There's some stuff I didn't even know about. Like, he went to um, a poetry reading at the Evanston Library, and somebody, he just looked, he was just two shopping bags, and he goes in with his beard. Somebody thought he looked like a bum and told him to leave, and he, Joffrey doesn't obey that kind of shit. And so he just went to his nonviolent. The cops locked him up for 11 fucking days, and he's just trying to go to a court. Now, they dropped the charges, and, but he, he refused to sign anything to get the fuck out of jail. He just refused to cooperate in any way. But it went into a whole kind of a, it was a well, well-written story and, and tells all about it. I have a serious question for all three of you. I know uh, uh, Ruth is is uh so interested in the story that she's scrolling through all of her Instagram feed. <laughs> but I have a serious question for all three of you. Okay? I don't want any explanations. I don't want any long narrative. I just want a yes or a no. Okay? 
and I'll ask the question, and then I'll go around the table. I'll start with start with Jordan, and then go to Ruth, and go to Bruce. All right? Do you guys actually, honestly, truthfully, care for, appreciate, will attend any live poetry readings or spoken word events? Jordan. No. Ruth. Only if it's Jim Morrison. Okay, so no. Yes. And I've, got, I've attended millions of them. I've attended a handful, and let me tell you, even the ones I've sought out, holy fuck, are they the most boring things in the goddamn world. Why would you go to listen? What, what, tell me why. Okay, so the one person who said yes, tell me what you like about it. I mean, they're into the. It's interesting to see what the hell's going on now. I I got what tired of going. It's interesting to see what the hell's going on. Yeah, because there were there were. I mean, when I was there's in San nothing Fr going on because everyone's quiet and there's one person asshole, reading the shit. Asshole, asshole. Um, when I was in San Francisco, I read there was a poet named Robert Duncan. He was kind of affiliated with the um, uh, Beatniks. Terrific poet, but he was never really officially. But I remember going there. And I went, wow. That was uh, there was a reading in, in uh, here's I saw, the problem. Uh, in Most of the time, it's boring as fuck. Now, also, the wait a second. Part, shut up, shut up. Second part about you go on too shut, long. Shut too up. long. Shut up, Bukowski. I've gone to uh, certainly listen to him read. I remember when E. E. Cummings came to uh, the Blackstone Theater. No, I no, I I don't think um, most of these poets are any good. But every once in a while, you'd be surprised. Yeah, but. That's like fucking finding a needle in a haystack. Holy shit. Every goddamn time. Even like my, and I try to support a lot of the arts and a lot of my friends are always like, let's go to the moth, the moth thing or whatever the hell it is. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I got to tell you, it's so rare that you find someone that actually has A, good storytelling abilities and B, has a good story to tell. Well, that's like when we had the uh, talent show here and we have the cop. Now, Joffrey was our only poet. We died in a lot. For, uh, Clown would try to read his poetry. My God, <laughs> but um, but Clown, Clown was also a comic, and the comics were almost universally terrible. But then every once in a while, well, we had Hannibal, Hannibal, and boom, right off the bat. Yeah, but fucking Hannibal obviously is good at what he does, which is why he's yeah, on but, Comedy but, Central. Yes, but guess, guess what? He was absolutely fucking unknown. He begged. He well, he didn't beg, but he really just said. Uh, could I please, you know, because he was just learning how to be a comic, I and mean, this was a, a format for him. Sure, so nobody, I get that. Knew, nobody knew who the fuck he was. I, my point in asking the question is that I feel like a lot of times in our society, we want to say, we want to believe that we support something because it's the right thing to do. But a lot of times, when, when, we're when, not very when, honest when about I, our true feelings ever, about when, it. When have I ever done that? Done what? Done something just because I think it's the right thing to do. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a, you're a fucking anomaly. In well, thank, thank you, thank you. Uh, but that's why I was asking our our participants, our audience. What the, you know what I want to do one of these days with you two, especially you and Ruth? So I want to have like a fucking like live Newlywood game show. Because well, that would be fucking fun. Only if we can do one with you and uh, Goat Girl. Well, maybe. Hey, okay, I would be game. And then, and then Jordan can ask all the questions. I would be game. We need one more couple. Who would that be? Was you and Ruth and me and Goat Girl? Who, who would the third couple be? 
Who's the uh, ideal couple? Uh, uh, Hawkeye and Mrs. Hawkeye? No, she wouldn't do it. Clown and Mrs. Clown would Fuck, be good. Fuck, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't be sober enough. Um, well, she, Jimmy and Beyonce. That would be good. Jimmy and Beyonce, newlywed. Do, are there any other fucking couples in here? No, there must be. Who? Well, we could do... Um, the good Irish. Kevin and Kevin, or Kevin, whoever. Who? Yeah, Kevin and Kevin. Kevin and Ken. Kevin and Ken. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. They'd be entertaining. Sure. Um, that, I'm writing, I'm penciling that into the schedule. I can't wait. We're going to have the whole newlywed what, game. What, what, is, what is the game? For reals. What? For real? Yeah. It's a show where, you know, oh, Bob, what's his name? Bob, what's his last name? Bob, uh, shit. Bob something. Newhart? Uh, Newhart? No, 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 no. Barker? You know, Bob, Bob Newhart and I went to the same high school. Um, Bob Barker? No, Bob, uh, I'm going to have to fucking Google this. Basically, Nobody cares. Just tell me what the I game care. is. I care. Basically, no, what happens care. is um, you have three couples, six contestants. So they're in pairs, right? They're just married, hence the newlywed game. And you ask them questions about their relationship or about intimate things. And, you know, there's often questions about... If you find yourself making whoopee in the middle of the night, like stupid shit. You're talking about sexual intercourse? <laughs> yeah, that's, they called it making whoopee back in the 70s. Anyway. You're so, on TV. <laughs> yeah, and the TV. So you ask questions and then, so basically one half of the, of the, of the party goes away and you ask one person a question, and they come back, and you ask them a question again, you have to see if they answered correctly. And there are points accumulated. Sounds like one of the most boring things Bob ever. Bob Eubanks. That sounds like really, really boring. Who gives a shit what newlyweds think about anything? It's just entertaining. and then it's plus not you entertaining. Can use, you, can well, say the word, you can say the word whoopee. And you don't want to go to poetry readings and you oh, like to watch God, fucking... Oh, God, slit uh, my fucking wrist. The newlyweds, wow. But poetry set to music. Lennon that's McCarthy. music. Yeah, that's music. I know, but that's, I mean that that I concur. I concur me. a thousand percent. We're calling you rock and roll with you and I are like music soulmates. Yeah. I get it. But, like, just going somewhere and having someone just talk, speak? Well, oh. perhaps. Did you ever hear a comic? A lot of comics are good. A lot of comics are fucking bad. Yeah. I get it. Believe me. Do you watch any of the comedy shows on Netflix? Amy Schumer just came out with one. I don't know anything about it, but... I mean, I, did you see her Fat Girl movie? <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is it bad? Yeah, I mean, I like Amy Schumer, but God damn it, it makes my skin crawl. Um, there's another broad. Hawkeye and I went on oh, a date this, this to, Chelsea, to see Chelsea Handler, was. the chick with the great tits. She's pretty funny. Really? Yeah. That's she, how you're gonna describe her. Well, have you seen her? She got great tits. She got great tits. I mean, she's good looking broad. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not saying I'm not a boob noticer, but it's not something I go for immediately. Well, I'm more of a vagina guy, but I like tits, too. I mean, really. You can't assess a situation by walking into a bar 
Well, if a girl let you put her hands down her pants, you can assess it real quick. <laughs> well, which happens here if you let a girl spread oh, eagle. And by the way, sad, sad. That, by the way, Angel was really a naughty girl last week. She was feeling up. Angel was here? <laughs> yeah, and she was feeling up Rock and Roll Ruth. Wait, and, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she, Hang on a second. Uh, Let's start uh, from the beginning. What day was this? What happened? St. Patrick's Day. Oh, of course. The she, luck of the Irish. She was uh, feeling no Okay, pain. wait. So, so hang on. Okay, let's let's pause. Saturday, St. Patrick's... Wait, Saturday or St. Patrick's Day? Saturday. So, Saturday. March 16th. Yes. Chicago St. Patrick's Day yes. celebration. Yeah. Northside celebration. Yes. So, you guys actually fucking came here that night? Yeah, and we got a perfect seat. So, we got our good seats. Because see if you come, shit? If you come in about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, all the little assholes are so fucking drunk that they all have to stagger home. Came. Okay, so, so, you so can describe who Angel seats. is. Well, I don't want to get too... I mean, she's Just a stewardess. General. She's a stewardess. She's married to a steward. And she has she, come in a here. Real nice, a nice she's kind of like. Well, I like her. Is promiscuous I mean, the right word? Well, she likes to show certain Are little. Are you kidding? She likes to show little body parts. <laughs> she likes to, yeah, show a lot of body parts. Yeah. Okay, so, so she came in here feeling happy. And she, she was all real. And she's up on your shit, Ruth. She, oh God, she was she all over. She had like glitter around her eyes. She had like, I mean, she was. was she feel, how was she feeling you up? Well, real she, with her hands. She was grabbing her tits. Where? And oh. said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I love you. I love you. And she was like hanging on me. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's good to see you too. So I look over and, and she's got her hands on her tits. No, she's like stroking me. Well, and she goes, and I go. She oh, put I'm her sorry. hands up your shirt? No, no, no. Just just down the front of my shirt. No, she was, she was grabbing tits. She was grabbing tits. She went for a full, what? B C cup? Uh well she she got so far and I moved You yeah. cock blocked her? Yeah, but but yeah. but Ruth's nipples were sticking out like the Sears Tower. Ruth, have you ever had a female experience? Come on. You you're a hippie girl, sixties. Come on, Ruth. Have you ever had anything like that happen? Female oh, female? Oh look at little that, Miss That was the closest that I came. Okay? Because I this girl, this party animal, you've seen her just listening to the jukebox at the Ale House. I've seen her at the Paul McCartney concert. You've seen her the way she takes in the music. Yeah. And you know about her crazy moody blues live lives. You don't think that she's potentially had a girl on girl experience from the fucking sixties? I think she may have been involved in the three or I think she was oh, more, mostly okay. focusing on the guy. Okay, let's that's, that's actually a good question. Okay, let's okay, yeah. so the answer is no on the girl and girl, but have you had a three way? She's lying. Look at her. Look at her. Look at her face. <laughs> she can't contain it. She's well, you know such what, a liar. You know, you know what Woody a four-way? You, you know what Woody She's Allen said? He was so uh, hosting for Johnny Carson one night. Woody Allen said, I forget how the subject came up, and he said, the only thing better between sex between two people is sex between three people. Yeah. I was like, I thought, that was, God, that was brilliant, Woody. I really liked that. <laughs> I used that, I used that Woody often. Okay, so... She comes in, feels you up. Well, You're not got, having it. But finally, her boyfriend or no husband, they're married now. He marched her out. She yeah. was not happy. Was, she didn't even say. Was goodbye. he ha unhappy? Oh, he was pissed. For feeling Ruth up? Well, no, no, no. no, no. no she was just. Just drunk. She was just drunk. Yeah, she was. She, she was coming back and forth. Yeah, she, she was out of control. Just, I mean, just hang on me. Oh, I love you. Oh, I miss she you. Tried to she tried to give me some tongue, and I cut my teeth shut real tight. Yeah. 
she's she's a very wild woman. She's wild. She's a character. I, mean, I like her. She'll fit right in. That's why she comes yeah, well, here. I, I well, she does fit right in. I know. And she knew that, you know, I was just not receptive. I think to Kim, <laughs> our bartender, choked her one night because she, she moved in on what? one of her boyfriends. <laughs> not in here. <laughs> that is so yeah, she, absurdly she perfect. Really no boundaries that well. Well, it's well, the I, ale house. Hey, I don't have a yeah, problem. I, I, I mean,. Care. I don't, have a, I don't have a problem. Um, <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good St. Patrick's Day. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there, was, there was fun stuff going on. And no, no, no puke. Um, no fights. No fights, no puke. Well, I mean, the people who come into the ale house know, on But St. you're always going to get the stragglers. You always get the fucking stragglers. Are not in here to, like... Get their fucking Irish yeah, but on. The There's people, no Irish shit in here. Yeah, but if the person somebody gets kicked out of Corcoran's, they're gonna still move agreed, stagger agreed, around, agreed, look for agreed. another bar. So you have to keep them from the, the doorman. Really has to put you know, keep a sharp eye and keep uh, the fucked up people from coming. Because once they're in, now you own them. But if you don't let them in, you you know that's fine. Agreed. I agree. But still. It's not like, oh, we're going to this Irish bar and this is sort of our focus and we're meeting all these people and blah, 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 blah. It well, totally is residuals. But but Ruth went down to get, got, now that Starbucks is closed, she went down the street. Oh, to, yeah, I forgot about that, Ruth. So she, she went down the street and she had to jump over vomit all the way down the street. It was gross. It was horrible. And just people staggering all over the place. People staggering falling down, this one couple ahead of me, the guy started pulling on the girl and they kind of fell in the bushes halfway down Wells Street. Yeah, that, that, yeah I mean, it's amateur hour. It's really it is such amateur hour. It's stupid. Um, so, alright, so now that everyone's done being Irish, we can go resume our natural ethnic identity until Cinco de Mayo hits. Right, and then we can be Mexican. Yeah. Which is so stupid. The thing about Cinco de Mayo that makes me bananas is two things. One, it's not Mexican Independence Day. It is a completely different situation. And two, it's such a corona holiday. Like, it is, a, it is an important historical moment in Mexican history. But what it has become is such a, like, a, a ridiculous corona holiday that... Whatever. You know, but I, I wrote about this in Bruce's blog for last blog is that... Our country has done such a great job of appropriating history to make it our own, yet in the past, these same individuals have come under attack, you know, and, and we say they're horrible or they're, you know, not a part of our culture and should go away, yet when, when it comes time, we're like, hey, now it's everybody in for the day just because it's about drinking whatever whatever um okay so any things to report um <laughs> yeah, uh, no I think I did my report okay I mean I did I, I had to go to a funeral and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So gave a um next podcast I'm going to have a big announcement for anyone who's a Games of Thrones fan. Game of Thrones fan. Uh, we have something really special happening for the premiere of Game of Thrones, the final season. Uh, so I'll do that. And um, 
I have no idea if anyone in Washington, D.C. or in the Washington, D.C. area listens to this podcast. But April 18th, 19th, and 20th. Uh, what, day, uh, what days are those? Those are Thursdays, Friday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. April 18th, 19th, and 20th. I will be in Washington, D.C. And the Chicago Museum is doing a takeover of Washington, D.C. We're going to have events every night um, in D.C. Uh, at three different cultural organizations. Uh, and one of those events is going to be with the Smithsonian. Just uh, stuff I've been working on. And there's going to be lots of beer, which is why I'm not going to be I'm not going to be in my hay this fall in DC because I'm going to drink everything in sight. Uh, that's all I got to report. That's exciting. I know. You should come to DC with me. I love DC. Well, come on. Let's go. Well, I mean, I'd be a little embarrassed because you'd be picking up all the tabs and stuff. You're out of your fucking I'm tree. You're the. You're the sugar daddy. What do you think I'm in this for? That's you what you I think did. I'm here just to, just uh, yeah. for shits and giggles? I'm here for the investment. Yeah, I was being ironic. <laughs> Is it an ironic? Yeah. Uh, I do want to start thinking about some uh, satellite podcast recordings. Oh, God, this is hard enough right now. Eh. You don't think I'll show up for a podcast recording at some pub in London? Fuck yeah, I will. Well, I mean, um, it might be a little inconvenient for Jordan. Well, we'll get him there. I'm sure he'll enjoy it. Well, I'm sure he will. We can't do it without him. Point <laughs> is, well, yeah, we two Dixie. Uh, you better Dixie. start writing more and painting more and sell some shit so we can with, actually with, fund with, this stuff. With, without Jordan, we're two Dixie cups in a string. <laughs> <laughs> we That's sh- what Holy. That's funny you say Dixie Cups. That's so 1940s, your era. But we would have used tin cans. We could try it. See what happens. All right, well, um, everybody, thank you again for tuning in to yet another show about nothing and something. Uh, Ruth, thanks for the drinks, as always. You're welcome. Jordan, thanks for hitting the buttons in the way you do, twisting the knobs in the way you do. We're talking about the podcast, not about anything else, Bruce. Um, Bruce, I'm thankful for you each and every day. And you should be, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay, well then, say goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius. Uh, thanks again, everybody. We will catch you next week. Bye.